Greetings, you beautiful people. My name is Misha Simonov, and I'm just oh so excited to introduce to you the very first episode of Reconnect, where we reconnect with our beloved Pepperdine alumni, catch up, and get to know a little more about their career, journey, and experience from their time at Pepperdine and beyond. I'd like to introduce our very first guest on the show, Mr. Austin Hurwitz, graduated in the class of 1997. Austin is currently the Vice President of Marketing and E-Commerce at Easton Diamond Sports, which is the world's largest softball and baseball equipment manufacturer. And in the past, he has served as the Director of Marketing for the Orange County Soccer Club, as well as the Director of Marketing for Oakley. At his time at Pepperdine, Austin served as the writer and editor for the Pepperdine Graphic, as well as participate in the development and introduction to Pepperdine's very first Interfraternity Council, or IFC, and the Panhellenic Council, which completely changed the Greek life culture on Pepperdine's campus to what it is today. Within Greek life, he was a proud member of Sigma Phi Epsilon Fraternity. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the wise words of Mr. Austin Hurwitz. Austin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad I could be the first. Yeah, of it'll course. only get better from here. I guess so. It's first time for everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just want to kind of start out to getting your background as to who you are, where you're from, and kind of how you got into Pepperdine. Yeah, well, I mean Pepperdine. So I, uh, so I was, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Michigan, and um, uh, I was not a fan of uh, the idea of moving to California. I had no choice in that. My my uh, father got a job out. Here in um, in Southern California, and so halfway through high school, perfect time to move a young guy, um, you know, a young guy away from his friends and and everything else, right? But moved out to California, worst places to move. Um, quickly got um, didn't take long to fall in love with the culture out here. Um, I sort of segued to, to Pepperdine, not just geographically, but I've been a baseball nut, which uh, obviously kind of has played well into into my Eastern time as well, but I've been a baseball nut my entire life. I've played it. I've coached it. Um, fortunately had my share of injuries. So I know the rehab part of it and business side of it. Um, but back in high school, um, uh, it just so happened that the Pepperdine baseball team had won, was, was basically making its run to its national cha- what became its national championship. Um, really around the time that I was looking to apply to college. So I was interested in staying in either California, going back to Michigan, and um, and I'd be lying if I didn't say that that national championship didn't have um, a huge um, impact on my decision to come to Pepperdine. Not because I had the, the delusion of being able to play with the team or or, um, or play with the team for a long period of time, although that was in the back of my mind and I was hopeful. Um, but just the idea of, I mean, it's you you obviously are a student there too, like a lot of the listeners as well. But I'm coming to the campus immediately. It's uh, you can't. You can't argue the the background um, where you get where you get to sort of study for four plus years, um, but yeah, with baseball being a part of it as well too. I mean, that was it was an easy slam dunk for me, and um, and yeah. So as far as Pepperdine goes, um, but even after I made the decision, though, I uh, you know a lot none of my friends went to Pepperdine, so I kind of started with a brand new network, like I think a lot of a lot of students do that are they're kind of coming in, and um, at first I wasn't really sure. And uh, but as I got more involved, to be honest, with the graphic and a lot of the um, different departments in the communications division and being an advertising major, um, that's really between that and kind of uh, the sports piece. And, um, you know, eventually, obviously, got very, very involved in a lot of different student organizations there at the university, which is one of the benefits of being at a sort of a small to mid-sized university. You can really get involved with just about anything. Just sort of be careful what you ask for. Um, but uh, but it didn't take long for me to to realize it was a really good decision and um, and uh, I've obviously stayed connected with with you guys and I'm a lot of different um, sort of alumni and current students and and even staff and faculty members there. I I love it and every chance I get to kind of wave the Pepperdine flag, I definitely do it. And you say you worked for the graphic. Were you just like writing uh, for the graphic since you were a communications advertising major? I did everything. I, mean, I wrote. I um, I wrote for both. Uh, so this is going to date me really quickly, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> but back when there was an uh, I think an arts and entertainment section um, as well as sports, um, maybe for sort of the hard news as well too. But wrote for a lot of a lot of different sections of the paper back in the time. Back when there uh, it was almost ex- it was becoming less exclusively a, um, an actual hard copy paper and, and just starting to move online. Um, and then I was an assistant editor as well as an editor as well too for the for all the arts and entertainment stuff. My dad worked in the entertainment industry at the time, 
um, as well. So it was kind of being in LA and, and um, having kind of family in there too. It, um, it was really interesting being able to read a lot of different interesting stories as well. But sports is, I've always, I had always been, if I wasn't an assistant editor, I was writing for the sports section and, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of my love for sure. Nice. And um, besides the graphic, did you um, participate in any other organizations? Yeah, well, I actually tried out for the for the baseball team. Um, that that was short lived, um, and then hurt and hurt my shoulder. So um, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, I had a reality check pretty pretty early on, and uh, and then just ended up um, staying connected with the the coaches and the administrators and the players by writing um, writing all this and covering the stories that way. Yeah, but I just kind of want to go into the like the other accolades you've achieved being a Pepperdine because yeah. you've done honestly quite a bit. Like your legacy is definitely not unnoticed you're probably you and then obviously franco shout out to franco but are like the ones to kind of like create the infrastructure for our current greek life as well yeah i mean i'm the last guy i wouldn't say the last guy but i'm pretty i got dragged to a recruiting event my freshman year i didn't want to go um and i thought it was you know going to be you know lame or a waste of time um and I ended up being like, you know, if, if everybody knows what a composite is, if they still have those as well, too. I mean, I ended up being the guy at the top of that composite most most of the time once I got in, once I got involved in, and um, kind of fell in love with it. Um, I just I really got involved. And I don't know, it's, I don't I don't do a lot of different things, but the few things that I do do and that I fall in love with, um, it kind of goes with my personal relationships, too. Um, I tend to kind of throw uh, whether I intend to going into it or not, I end up throwing a lot of myself into it so yeah greek life was kind of big it was just to touch on that briefly i mean it was at an inflection point um back when unbeknownst to me at the time but uh, it was all local greek organizations and and um you know myself and and fellow students and 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 brothers and even some of the the ladies in the sororities as well few of us not everybody um it wasn't kind of overwhelming at the beginning but saw an opportunity to and a value to everybody ourselves after we graduated as well as the university and the community overall with affiliating with national organizations. And so I kind of helped do my part to lead that charge. And um, it wasn't easy, but um, not just myself, but a lot of other folks kind of bought into it. And, and um, thankfully, I think everything's sort of in a lot better place now. And, um, and I'm very, very proud of that. Um, I think everybody that was kind of a part of that and, and part of it since then to keep it all alive. And, and not only that, but thriving should be very proud. But yeah, I mean, aside from that, um, I mean, you know, involved in ad club and, you know, a variety of different things, but I would say, you know, really the graphic and, and, um, you know, brief stints at KMBU, I mean, really on the, on the TV side and then on the radio side as well, too. I think between the, at least as was known then the comm pad, the communications pad and, um, and kind of Greek life, um, in addition to academics, obviously that pretty much took up most of my time. Yeah. And then, uh, going through your college career, did you, understand or like know pretty much what you wanted to do like coming out of it or is that something you had to like develop and kind of explore your horizons to achieve kind of where you are right now in terms of your like degree and then work after college yeah i knew i knew i wanted to be in advertising or in marketing um it took me a long long time um to realize and it sounds really lame to say it out loud but um i knew what i wanted to do from a, a an industry standpoint but it took me a long time, much longer than a lot of my peers, um, to realize, hey, you could actually not just do do this, but you could do it working for brands and in an industry that you love, which for me is sports. Um, most recently, it's been sporting goods, and you know, for golf and and um, and for baseball, obviously, and and softball, but um, but also you know, working with other CPG brands and media brands and and things like that in sports and and other industries too. So it took me a while to kind of just for some reason for the light bulb um, to kind of turn on. Part of that is, you know, being naive and younger and, um, and just not knowing what you, what you don't know, what's out there and, and chasing uh, certain things. You also in life, whether it's your professors or your peers or your coworkers later in life, your family, anybody, um, what you read, um, I think you end up uh, at least, well, I'll put it on myself. I ended up chasing a lot of different things that, um, that certain people, especially younger people chase. Um, the amount of money that I managed for certain accounts um, uh, you know, working on a global brand or at a global agency just felt very prestigious. And, mm-hmm. and certainly it comes with different experiences you wouldn't get had you not been exposed to that. But um, in the end, um, for me, as, and everybody has their own sort of choices and journey, which is, which is make, what makes it all so, spe- so special and interesting in life. 
Um, but for me, a lot of that stuff, um, while it was, it made me who I am, um, it didn't really, a lot of that stuff didn't really fulfill me. It was really, um, once I started working on more sports brands, I realized, you know, why not me? Why can't, why couldn't I sort of, um, do that? So I started, um, really in the agency world and that might've just been also a product of, I grew up with a father and who, um, started in, in Michigan, he started his own ad agency and he worked mm-hmm. in the agency world a long time. He worked with big automotive brands which at least back in the day when a lot of brands were based out there in, in Michigan. Yeah, from um, Detroit, right. Yeah, I, I was exposed to marketing in, in that way um, and not necessarily on the brand side, but I really, really, I've, I was hell-bent on at, at one point about 12 or so plus years ago, moving on the brand side, really being a part of one brand for as long as I could and doing really good work. And, and um, I haven't, I've never looked back. I've been, uh, I think, both parts of the the world are great, but for me, um, once I kind of realized that's what I wanted, um, I've been really, really just happy and excited every day um, about the work that we get to do since then. Nice, and obviously that's accumulated to where you are right now, being the VP of uh, marketing and e-commerce at Easton. So, I kind of want to go into like what for the audience and for the listeners out there, just kind of describe like what you do on a daily basis, pretty much um, being the VP of marketing. Yeah, I mean, every gig's a little different. And even though, you know, some of the titles are the, a lot of the titles are the same, um, they're different everywhere. Um, Easton's unique. I mean, so it's a dream for me. I grew up on this. This isn't just a job, it's not just a brand. I grew up on this brand. Um, it's a brand that not a lot of people know is Southern California headquartered. Um, it's actually not only that, um, it's headquartered uh, in Thousand Oaks, which is right around the corner from, from Pepperdine. Um, people who are from Westlake Village, Thousand Oaks, Agura, that whole area, uh, most of them w- don't even know that, which is weird because the building is even right off of the 101 freeway. Um, but I also didn't, being a fan of the brand too, I knew that they were originally, not originally, originally, but um, for most of the time that I was undergrad, at least they had been in Van Nuys for a long time, which Van Nuys is sort of like, you know, mixed in with all those the other parts of kind of that area and and kind of the greater LA area. So it kind of blends together for me, but yeah, however many years ago they moved to Thousand Oaks. So they're very close. They're in the Valley. I mean, they're kind of part of um, a lot of, a lot of people that know baseball that go to Pepperdine and live in kind of the the Malibu and and on the other side of the, um, of the Hills as well too, know that it's a hotbed for baseball players and and, um, just so many great players um, currently play there um, and kind of grew up in the area and in the past as well too. But yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it's been an absolute dream come true. As far as my role, I get to do everything, um, literally everything from a marketing and e-com standpoint. At, at Easton, I touch and my team, my team touches. Um, there's, it's easier to describe what we don't do than uh, that when we do. Um, we, you know, really, my role from a day-to-day basis, like you were asking. Um, I mean, I'm in charge of strategy, but because I kind of grew up um, in the business, you know, sort of at the ground level, I'm very, we have a small team as well, so it necessitates it, but plus my experience and my, my tendency is to get my hands dirty. So, um, you know, it goes, I go from, you know, being in the boardroom, so to speak, or, you know, in our offices, planning a lot of different things out. And then to, I think the more exciting part, which is, you know, um, being out on location, whether it's at a studio, at a stadium, in a field, um, whether it's in, you know, I know it's it's obviously more and more difficult right now everywhere, but in particular, particularly in Southern California um, with COVID and everything like that. So we've had to come up with creative, you know, sort of solutions to that. But yeah, it's everything from from, uh, go-to-market planning, uh, brand strategy, um, I lead our sports marketing group as well. Primarily, they do other things, but they primarily negotiate and kind of cultivate strong relationships with um, associations, leagues, players, major league baseball players, pro fast pitch players, pro slow pitch players, um, college pro D1 college programs, and, and on down travel elite travel ball programs. Um, all the creative, all the messaging and creative. I actually also serve as the creative director, for better or for worse. Um, so if you like everything we're doing, then it's all me. If not, then I'll blame somebody else. But, but yeah, I, I really handle um, creative direction. Uh, we have a couple of graphic designers internally, and we bring in freelancers. Um, PR. I mean, really, uh, I, the only part that I don't manage hands-on is our grassroots marketing team. We have about 10 or 11 um, guys and gals across the country that activated events um, every day, every weekend throughout the year. 
my team supports, makes them look great, hopefully, and, and works on their promotions and kind of markets their schedule. Um, but that those people are, are actually managed by um, one of my counterparts. But yeah, really everything else. And then on the e-com side too, it's really, really unique. Normally you have a totally separate group, separate person that manages the e-com. Um, I've been lucky that I've, it's a lot of work, but I've been lucky that I've been able to manage that as well. So if we come up with a great idea, um, the benefit is I don't have to sort of, you know, there's no kind of like creative or, or, or maybe political kind of tug of war, um, on getting it, you know, executed digitally or on, and specifically on Easton.com, we can make it happen. So, so it's great. It's great. Not only am I working on a great a brand I love, I mean, I really get to, um, there's very little red tape. We get to do, you know, really touch everything. The flip side is it's it, it's kind of on me and my team to do it um, without the layers and without a lot of bodies. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously a lot, but um, I honestly wouldn't have it the other way. Right. It also, also must be like a dream come true for you because it's been around since Little League, especially around for my friend. Because I remember after like school, they would go to baseball practice or softball practice. Right. And they would be carrying those huge Easton bags, you know, and then uh, you guys sponsored D1 schools as well. So it's a very huge presence. And then I obviously making your way into the MLB and sponsoring those um, athletes and working with them as well. That's pretty crazy. And then yep. in terms of how you got out of like in this position straight out of college, kind of like one um, as I guess it's like a two-part question. One is, um, what was your mindset coming outside of college into the workforce? And then how would you credit to where you are now in terms of a percentage of luck, how hard work mm-hmm. and um, networking in a sense? Yeah, well, I, so I had a, uh, I had a gig lined up, um, you know, interviewed and did all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't easy, but um, I had a gig lined up in San Francisco. So I'd never lived in San Francisco, um, but it um, continued as it was then and had been and continued to be, you know, a hotbed for um, not just for marketing, but for obviously for technology. And I would just sort of say like, I'm just creative and, and new ideas and entrepreneurship. So whether you were, even if you weren't an entrepreneur, um, just there's always a buzz and, and a lot of things that are happening up there. And it continues today, obviously, even more so. So anyway, back then, uh, way back then, in kind of 1996, 1997, I mean, I know it feels like forever ago, even to me a little bit sometimes, but it was really, as I was a junior, senior in particular, um, the year at Pepperdine, in addition to everything else that uh, we had going on, or I, and I had going on, um, really, the the dot-com era was really kind of being born. So like digital media or marketing, which really was being invented, you know, then for the most part, it was really kind of born commercially that you know that summer between from what i recall that summer between 96 and 97 i had an internship um at tbwa shy day um quick shout out to bill tragos who's the the t in tbwa um also a a sig he's now retired i talked to him a few weeks ago um lives up up the coast up north um but just a an absolute legend in in advertising and marketing and um, went out to New York and, and worked for him and then and really kind of my eyes were open to not just being a, a you know, a, a dude or, you know, a kid, you know, in, in college and how I was using, you know, um, search engines and things like that that were in web pages that were just sort of launching, but seeing how marketing, how agencies and brands were trying to wrap their arms around it, which took a long time and still is happening today. But so once I got, got bit by that bug, um, I was looking for an agency that um, when I was graduating my senior in 97, I'm um, looking for an agency that understood that and thought about sort of more integrated marketing as it was being kind of born. And so, I mean, I, I thought I knew what I was, but the, the reality is I was new to the workforce and leaving, you know, kind of leaving the let's say safety net, but that stage of my life at Pepperdine into the theoretical and academic world. And then in a nice little internship that I had, and then going into the real world in this just a highly competitive, energetic, exciting market in San Francisco in the Bay Area during a time when all these companies were blowing up and trying to find their way and figure out what the web, quote unquote, you know, which is lame to even call now, I think, um, what it was going to be. Um, it's before mobile. It's before a lot of different, you know, I think I still had a pager, for God's sake. I mean, you know, things like that. So it was really a, like kind of, a, as it turned out, a crazy sort of turning point for media in general, let alone what marketers were going to do with it. So, I mean, I was excited to, to kind of be a part of that. I joined an agency that was kind of hot at the time and 
um, really, again, started falling in love more with the brands that I was working with than necessarily the agency culture, if you will, and the volatility that kind of comes from that. And so it was, you know, I, I basically was in the agency world, like I mentioned, for, you know, parts of a couple decades for a long time. Um, some small shops, some huge shops, Shy Day is a big one, but worked at Y&R and, and different ones. And then worked at some smaller kind of niche agencies like Ignited that specialized at the time in, in video game marketing, worked with Activision, things like that. So, you know, along the way, got little tastes of, ooh, I like that. I, that's pretty cool. Why, you know, why am I working on, no offense to, you know, food brands, it's not really my thing. I've worked on that. That's not quite right. And so you kind of figure out, uh, for me, again, I was slower than most maybe, but I kind of figured out exactly, you know, what I wanted to do over a pretty decent period of time. So, you know, where I am today versus where, where I, it's all connected because it's all been, you know, marketing and advertising and digital has been um, kind of a core thread through, you know, through everything, you know, really is kind of the one constant. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it took me, so, took me some time and, um, and, but I, I think my story, uh, I think what I, what I kind of like about it, if, if there's a, you know, sort of a silver lining to just how many different places I've been in markets is that exposure. I mean, you, you get to meet, you get a crash course in different personalities in different, um, how to tackle, different you know solutions for different brands there's some similarities but there's just differences and being comfortable with being uncomfortable i think is um you know i think is what it's all about for anybody entering the workforce um and i just i feel like i probably got even a bigger dose of that given you know kind of how i entered it right i was i was gonna say since working with so many brands do you have any like interesting stories something like that's crazy or like blew up in your face type of uh experience to where like yeah i definitely do not want to be in this industry anymore like i'm i'm ready to move on or yeah, um, hmm, trying to figure out a few that I can censor. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I think there are, I would say, you know, it's, it's hard to everybody, you know, who, who's at even like a, a little bit, you know, sort of introspective um, or allows themselves to kind of evaluate what they've done and where they've been and how they do things different. I mean, we'll think about, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I mean, in general, I don't know that I'd really kind of change anything. I think um, more than anything, I'll tell you the one thing on the positive side that I will say is, um, and again, this might sound very, um, very basic as well, but again, sort of, um, it took me a while to kind of really believe it and not just put it on a, on a Hallmark card is, um, I come to appreciate, um, as I worked more, as I got to know more people and worked in, and moved around in diff different places, it's extremely possible to find very solid, great people, like a great person who's talented, who puts the right amount of energy and passion about, you know, behind it. Um, and that treats, you know, others as they'd like to be treated. Now, all that stuff sounds like, yeah, duh, but it's really, really, I think very, very hard to find people that have that mix. And so I'd say the one thing that I, that I learned and that I'm, I'm constantly, um, I value way more than I did ever before um, with every place that I go and every, every, every brand that I get to work with is, um, is who I get to do it with and who, who I can learn from if I feel like I can contribute, you know, and add. And at the end of the day, if they're, they're smart, good, energetic, uh, you know, have the right sort of energy and, and enthusiasm for everything. Um, and, uh, and that they have discipline, you know, I think is the biggest thing too. People can talk all day long. I've met some really, really creative people. Um, that have tons of ideas. I fall, I can fall into this trap too, trap too, just like a lot of people. At some point you need to get stuff done and, um, and know how to get stuff done and not just talk about it. So I think find, finding somebody who's a, a good blend of those different values and, and kind of that makeup, um, I'm, I'm, I don't think attracted isn't the right word, but my, my personality, my soul, my, um, you know, what I like doing, um, that's what really gets me fired up because it ends up leading to not only great relationships, but just kick to work. And at the end of the day, that's what I really want now more than anything. What, what really kind of gets me excited about this even more than it ever did uh, that it has since day one is, um, is the work at the end of the end of the day, we get to be um, whether it's communications over whether it's PR or advertising or whatever, we get to be creative. And, um, and a lot of that has to do with storytelling and creating great content and, um, whether it's telling a joke or whatever it might be. So I think when um, when you're around people that 
get that and they're talented and um, they're uh, supportive of you, you know, they kind of help, you know, bring you along rather than, you know, walking over you. Um, yeah. You need to like stick with those, stick by those people um, and keep them close. Um, would you credit your, I guess, success in the career just in terms of, because from what I've heard is networking and hard work and, and your reputation in general, would you factor any luck within that area as well? You know, luck to me, a, a lot of times luck, um, like what the timing, a lot of times to me, when I look in the rear view mirror, maybe not at the moment when it's fresh, um, but timing usually um, is disguised, you know, like disguises itself as luck, I think. And um, it's not always the case, but um, I do think a lot of, in a lot of cases, that's true for um, just the business world or the world in general, the business world in particular right now, because um, even COVID aside, there, the, the, the idea, the ability, it still exists to, to find a job that you fall in love with and that you're there for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40, your whole career, if you're, you know, something like that. However, those are very, at least in, in my circles, very, very hard to find nowadays. And so, and a lot of that has to do with timing on if you're part of, you know, you're part of, you know, being able to continue forward at a certain place, if you need to move on, if you decide to move on, if others you like, like I just described those people that you're connected to, that you buy into even more so than the company, that's really who you're falling in love with. If they move on and their timing isn't right, then yours kind of changes. So I think, yeah, I mean, luck, I think you're, you know, sure. Um, but I also think that timing a lot of times, um, and I mean, you can't, you can try to be as calculated as possible, but at the end of the day, I mean, there's only so much you can do that. Again, it doesn't sound, it's not sexy, um, but it, it's, it's infinitely true. The only thing that I've ever been able to, you know, control and um, is that nobody will outwork me. And, um, and not just the, not just the amount of work, the amount of time that I put in, although that's a lot too, but um, I'm very I know what I want and, very, and I think that's key for everybody too. The sooner you find out, you figure out what you want, that's probably one of the most important things um, for, you know, for anybody. But I think, you know, if you, nobody can, nobody will work, if nobody, if, if you're the hardest working person in the room, you're probably going to succeed. And, and if the timing isn't right or whatever, it'll still, the fruits of that work, that hard work that you put in and the value and, and sort of the experience and the, the repetition and the routine that's been built in, it'll, you'll win at the next place. I guaranteed. And then, you know, if the timing wasn't right at the last one, it'll be, you know, then again, you still won't be able to control it, but I think then that'll also be in your favor. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's all the, the stereotype, you know, typical cliched stuff of like, you know, who, you know, and what, you know, and, um, but I think it's hard work and, and um, trying to be one of those people that I described. If you're, if, if you are one of those few people that's, uh, yeah, talented, hardworking, disciplined, um, creative, and gives a crap about, you know, about the other person, um, when you need it, when you want, when the timing is in your favor or, or whatever it is, um, it, it'll come back tenfold. You know, Probably goes a long time. way. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very sexy, but <laughs> that, that's not, that's not the, um, the quick path to success sort of thing. Um, it happens over a lifetime, but uh, I really, I really think that's, uh, that's, per, that's like real, it's pretty safe. It's like real estate, you know, work your butt off, um, do right, um, treat people well, and um, you can sleep really good at night and it'll probably benefit you in the end. In the future, right. And then going to the marketing field, I kind of just want to switch paces here. What's one myth or a couple myths that people attribute to your field or your industry within marketing mm. that, that you want to debunk right now? That's a good, that's a probably a great question. Uh, I mean, I would say, you know, nobody, nobody know, nobody cares. It's like sort of saying, you know, nobody knows, you know, the path you walk, you know, like nobody's in your shoes, literally. They could, we could have similar experiences and that's how we, you know, kind of communicate as well, you know, as, you know, common ground and, 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 and being able to, you know, sort of achieve some level of understanding with every, with everyone, whether it's marketing or just socially, you know, with friends, family, but, you know, I think, um, I think nobody, nobody needs to appreciate how hard it is that we, everyone's job is. Um, but I think it's the stuff that, I mean, most people, they just see the end product. So they'll see whether it's a, a TV spot or like a, a 
pretty cool piece of video content or um, if we do something in a, and some big inf- social media influencer picks up on it and does something. Um, I mean, you want to talk about luck. That's a lot of that stuff is luck. Trying to get people to do stuff for you for free, you know, or with just like some product or something like that when you're not compensating. And even when you're compensating them, that's probably closer to luck um, and actually getting them to follow through. But um, with everything else that's kind of going on in everyone's lives and stuff nowadays. But I would say just like there's, yeah, there's a lot of, um, it takes a lot even to get something that's really simple. It seems very simple in, in sort of its result. Um, takes a lot of, you know, arm wrestling and just getting people to, you know, sort of buy into your idea and then to execute it and, and just sticking with it, trying to, you know, see it all the way through. Um, and then in the end, again, it, it, it probably seems very simple um, to the outside world, but it's uh, very little of it is. <laughs> yeah. It's all a negotiation. It's all a battle. Definitely, man. Definitely. And then now more so in your career going more into towards your life. How is, cause obviously recently you had a kid right two years ago, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, how was that yeah. whole in terms of, you know, for the future listeners, cause that time will come, believe it or not. But since you're a newly father, congratulations, by the way, happy, healthy baby boy. Nice. And um, how has that work-life balance been for you in case there are also alumni listening to this podcast? Yeah, uh, Grayson was born uh, two Julys ago. And so I think, you know, both for him and um, and I waited, you know, longer than most of my friends to get married and longer than most of my friends to then have a kid. So I would say when we had a kid, it was definitely planned and we were definitely, ex- and we were in our over the moon excited. My wife's younger than I am, um, but um, but yeah, I waited kind of longer in, in my circle if there's, you know, not that we're putting time to it, but that's just kind of a reality. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's everything a lot of people say. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's also weird because not only am I a rookie, like a 40 plus year old first time dad, but um, we found out we were trying to get pregnant. So, but we figured, oh, it'll take time. And, you know, we've had friends that have had just stories that'll just break your heart about how, you know, how long it's taken them. And they've had to have like medical, you know, professionals and, and time it right. Not, it, it takes all the, a lot of the fun and the, the romance out of, out of kind of having a kid and something so wonderful and, and, and such a blessing out of it. But um, some of them that haven't been able to get pregnant, so we're like, oh, it'll take us forever. Well, we, we kind of got pregnant on the first shot. It was, and we found out really right when I had just taken the job with Easton. And then fast forward a year and a half, almost to the day. Um, so we, uh, after I started the job and, um, uh, and we had him in, in, Ju- in July. So I basically made it um, just over a half a year without a kid, but with a pregnant wife at Easton. So just kind of balancing that. She had it way worse than I did, but just saying um, that was different, different for me for sure. Um, and then to have him and to be a first time parent and try to figure that out uh, with, and I had a long, long commute from the South Bay up to Thousand Oaks. And, and uh, so that was kind of challenging, you know, to say the least. Um, but then for COVID to hit and uh, I'm not, we're not complaining because um, luckily knock on wood, we've quarantined pretty much the entire time and um, taken it really safe and haven't gotten it knock on wood. But um, but that's been challenging too, like not being able to sort of really be, feel like you're, a, uh, we feel like a parent, certainly when we're in lockdown in the house and with our immediate family, but just being able to enjoy and have him enjoy some of the social interaction with other kids, even if it's just like my nieces um, or other kids in the neighborhood, um, being able to go out and experience things, good, bad, and indifferent. I mean, on the plus side, I've, we've only ta- we had only taken him to one restaurant before COVID and it was when he was still, you know, locked down in a stroller. But, um, you know, haven't had to, which is probably a good thing, haven't had an experience like a kid going nuts when you're trying to eat dinner in a public place or get on an airplane, you know, with your, with your toddler or your baby. Um, but the flip side is, yeah, I mean, just we're like everybody. We're just trying to make it, figure it out. And, um, you know, we're obviously, we're bummed for, you know, some of the, the moments maybe we've missed out on. But the flip side is uh, when COVID hit, I was here. I was at home and I got to see him walk for the first time. I probably wouldn't have seen that. I would have been at work. So, you know, there's, there's a bunch of crap that we all have to deal with, but then there's some pretty cool, you know, um, once in a lifetime stuff, you know, that, that is a lot of stuff to kind of peek through too. So 
yeah, we're, we're stoked. It's not, it's definitely not easy. He's in the other room uh, with, with my wife and we kind of trade off between meetings and I'm sure everybody's got their own story. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, we'll be able to tell him all about it. Hopefully um, yeah. after things get normal and he gets older. Nice. Um, would you say your philosophy on life pretty much just changed completely or just your outlook in general since having Grayson, or would you just say it's been the same? Like, how's this addition been? Um, like the cliche thing, like as to say, like how, has it really been like that life changing or is it just like another, like just another really amazing experience that you get to like add on to your, um, like lifetime? No, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty similar. Um, but it's profound. I mean, it's, it's something where, um, I'm trying to think of another, you literally, I literally couldn't be told enough about it and even be an uncle, like a very, I think like, I love my nieces and, um, especially when we live like one neighborhood away from them. I mean, I kind of wasn't, uh, certainly wasn't their parent, but I was, you know, very, very engaged and still, you know, still in and love them to death. Um, and yet it's not even close. It's not even close to every day and being there from the, from the beginning. And, um, you know, to be honest, it sounds a little selfish, but as much as I wanted him, you know, or, you know, whatever it was going to be, um, I also really, really wanted when I, when we did do it and if we were, we were blessed to have a kid, um, I really wanted it to, to see how I would change and how my wife would change and how a relationship would change. Um, I knew it wasn't all going to be peachy, but, um, you know, all the time, but, um, I don't know. I just think as a thinking selfishly about it for a second as a life experience, it doesn't get more profound than that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's really changed me. It's not like I have this new sort of found, you know, lease on life or anything like that. Um, but it's more, I think it's just, you get a better understanding. Like you understand what your parents went through a little bit more. Um, and, uh, and just what other people, you know, friends, other family, coworkers, um, professors, you know, whoever, when they have kids, I mean, a lot of times you don't even meet anybody's kids. You maybe see a yeah. picture of them on, you know, in a frame on their desk or whatever. And yet it's such a big part of their day. And we're posting life. to Facebook too. And then that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I think it's just, it's like anything, anything like that in life, it just gives uh, clarity and understanding and connection that you could never have if you didn't, you know, again, even just being like a loving uncle um, to my nieces, that you really just don't quite get unless you have your, unless you have your own. Um, it's not for everybody and it should not be for everybody unless they want it and they're able to. But, um, but I think that's the most special part for me. So I don't think it's really changed my, my world. Um, so to speak, you know, um, we're like over the moon thrilled and love him to death. Um, it seems like pinch your skin moment every day, you know, with him in some different way. But genuinely, yeah, I think it's more just, oh, that's what my parents were going. That's why were they were telling me to do this or not do that, or that, you know, it, it's like you my you could never have. Yeah, it's like my dad always said. You don't, and my mom too. Like you'll never understand until you have kids of your own. And to this day, I still don't understand. But I guess from yeah. your words, it's it has to be true. Someone totally is man. It is. It is. It's a. Uh, it's almost like unfortunate because you want to be like, no, I knew I was right. And they were full of crap. And, you know, or, or you know, my dad was wrong, but um, in some cases they were, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it's true. Yeah. So would you, so here's the important question. When is uh, Grayson going to start his first baseball lesson? Oh, it's already happened, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's you got the t-ball happened. going in the living room and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. I basically, I try to make sure I have as many like, you know, batting tees and like, you know, um, plastic golf clubs and plastic baseball bats and, and footballs and baseballs and basketballs and, and stuff around. Um, yeah. Just trying to like, you know, or as much as I'm influencing things also have him fall in love with something organically. I mean, either way, I think I'm just excited for him to whatever he falls in love with just to hopefully, you know, really kind of stick with something and, and, uh, you know, have, hopefully have as much fun, you know, as I did with it, whether it turns into a career or not, who knows, but. Right. But uh, would that make you, um, for MLB, uh, what happens if he chooses a different team other than you? So like, would your team be the Tigers since you're from Detroit or would you be more of a Dodgers or Angels since you're from LA or I guess, um, yeah. Kind of grow up? yeah. I mean, I, I think your teams are kind of funny thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have been a 
Detroit Tiger fan, which I am, and I'm a huge diehard lifelong fan. Um, had I not had my family and I not, you know, kind of been born and raised and grown up there, and because um, it becomes, it's not just a team; it's like part of your childhood and part of your, you know, you know, friends you remember going to your their first game with or your first game with, and all that, all the stories and, and those types of connections. So not just in baseball, but any sport. But yeah, I mean, especially growing up in the Midwest, I mean, sports are next level. I mean, that's like. And a few times that it's not rainy and snowy and crappy outside, um, you go to a cathedral and watch, you know, grown men crush baseballs. And um, it's just, it's amazing, especially back in the day before social media and, and, um, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it was a privilege and, and, and just like, it's so exciting. It still is, but even more so back then. So yeah, no, man, I mean, chances of him, um, pretty slight chances of him being a fan of any Detroit sports team, uh, not, just be, <laughs> not just because of geographics, but also just because they're not very good right now. <laughs> yeah. As of recently, so, no, they have not yeah. same with the NBA and NHL with the Detroit Red Wings and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It's been it, <laughs> Detroit. Hard I mean, route. yeah, Detroit has seen better days. Let's, let's put it like that. Yeah. It'll Detroit. happen, but yeah. Soon hard. enough. Also on the one to ask to see if you can audition, but um, were you ever an avid reader growing up? Um, just like whether in your childhood, if you picked it up in college or as an adult, you were even now with the, like, um, with Grayson. Oh yeah. I mean, we read, I've read more granted. It's all like, you know, baby books and stuff, but we've read more in the last, uh, you know, since he's been born, not quite two years, um, than I have in a long time, you know, but no, I mean, I don't know. I know a lot of people, um, still can do that. I, I don't, I mean, I'm, I spend so much time working and, um, you know, that I don't really get a chance. I mean, outside of like, you know, we're talking, you know, news articles and stuff. I mean, you know, anything kind of specifically relevant to, to work. Um, I'm a social media, you know, nut. I'm on there too much. Just kind of, you know, so little snippets, little clips. I think, you know, that's pretty much all the time that I have. And probably most people, that's why it's so explosive um, is because it is so easy for people to just get little bits. Um, so, yeah, I don't, not a ton. I mean, obviously leading up to college and, and just after college as well, too, I mean, between all the required reading and, um, and things like that, you know, it was kind of a, a bigger part. I wish I had more time. I was actually getting into audiobooks, which I had never, but my commute was so long going from Manhattan Beach up to Thousand Oaks. And I was driving at, you know, 6 a.m. and then coming home at 8 p.m., you know, kind of graveyard on both sides. That, yeah. Um, yeah, I would throw in some audio books, which was kind of cool. Also, but, they're, um, yeah, they're definitely a game changer. But I kind of wanted to, the reason why I brought up the question was, um, mm-hmm. were there any books you can relate to, um, mm-hmm. offer to people to either, one that inspired you to kind of give you better understanding of the industry or, or a book that about your current industry that most people could recommend, or even any news articles, websites, um, yeah. figures um, that could if anyone is ever interested in this, the sports industry or the e-commerce and marketing industry, like how they could get into it and how um, they can really become a part of that and be familiar with kind of what's going on in w- within what you do. Yeah. There, well, there's one, I'm just flipping through my iBooks just to see if I could find some, again, I have not spent enough time. There's one actually, uh, my sister, who's also a Pepperdine grad, um, she had mentioned to me, and this is not a new book. This is like, I mean, I'll waste your, your time on the podcast to look up how many years, ago, but it's probably maybe 10 years old or something like that. I want to say maybe not quite that. Um, but it's called winning the story wars. And so from a, from a market, this is, I mean, I don't think it's just a marketing book, but it's, um, it's a pretty good read. It's a pretty fast read, but it really just kind of, it was kind of, it came out really before, um, or really at the kind of the beginning of, I would say kind of this this content like movement or revolution, if you will, um, or at least they were the first ones to really kind of put a, a sexy little simple, you know, term or phrase around it and put it in a book. But, um, but, you know, just kind of breaking down some similarities between what makes good stories, um, obviously through a marketing lens, but even beyond that. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of what, um, I mean, everybody likes a good story, whether it's humorous or, or whatever it is, whether it's a movie or a book or, um, or if it, you know, it's good marketing or whatever it is. And so I think being able to kind of understand what makes a good story, um, why, you know, um, whether it's based on authenticity or it's a fictional thing or whatever. So I don't know, that one, I think it's kind of, it's kind of fun and it's, it's something you can apply, I think to your, especially from a communication standpoint, um, if there's anybody kind of 
um, on that track, either at Pepperdine or, or kind of, you know, sort of post-grad as well too. To close things off, I kind of want to give one last question. And that would be in the most, I guess, censored way you possibly can, if you don't want to bring up anything, but a very Pepperdine. Right, it's a good way to lead. It's a good way to start off the question. Yeah. <laughs> a very Pepperdine, uh, uh, safe story to understand, like kind of the close up, like was kind of one, one of the most memorable stories that kind of stuck with you since being at Pepperdine, whether it be like inspirational, like hilarious, but something that you would like, it's immediately in the back of your mind. Like when you think of Pepperdine, mm. your experience, you're like, this is definitely one of my like top and biggest moments that I've ever had. Oh man. Well, gosh, it, uh, whatever I say isn't, isn't going to be the, the, probably the biggest one if I had thought about it more, but I don't know. I mean, I think um, there were a lot of, lot of little ones. I don't know. I, this isn't going to be what anybody is interested in or, or wants, but I think there was, there was um, when I was there campus ministry um, and um, we had, um, I'm trying to remember like the, it was like Wednesday nights, I think. But anyway, I, I wasn't a very, um, religious person necessarily. I can't, I grew up with a, um, you know, my mother's Catholic, wasn't really practicing, you know, per se, at least while I was, when I was growing up in, in the house, um, father's side of family is Jewish again, not non-practicing. Um, so kind of always an interesting dynamic and they were always, you know, my parents were always open to, you know, us exploring. I had friends that were Catholic and literally like altar boy st status. So like we'd like, do a sleepover at their house or something and the next morning their parents and he and I like we'd go to like you know he'd be like you know all dressed up and doing all that stuff and I'd be a little like yeah I'll take communion I don't know what this is um so you know I think always being like interested or intrigued in religion but not really I think that was one of my draws in you know I know that was one of my draws in part of my essay and and why I was interested in Pepperdine not just the baseball stuff um but um yeah I think campus ministry was really powerful and interesting to me. One of my best friends, uh, Tim Spivey actually was the minister in our wedding. One of my, one of my groomsmen, um, uh, Sigap as, as well. He, um, he, uh, was, you know, undergrad like me, um, met him. He was in my, uh, kind of in the, the dorm, kind of the same floor or whatever. And, um, he was the one who actually got me to, to, um, go to the recruitment events originally. He was the one who was pumped up and I wasn't go figure. The minister was big on, Greek life back in the day. And, you know, this guy wasn't like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but I think, you know, that, you know, he and I were both, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was training to be and studying to be a, a minister. Um, but Scott Lambert, who is um, not a Pepperdine anymore, but still um, a practicing minister and very involved and very, I think, near and dear to a lot of uh, different people, um, just like was and is Pepperdine to me as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Um, but just a lot of the things that he did. And um, so in addition to studies and things like that, I think those, those nights or those coffees, he would always, I'm sure there's somebody like that now at Pepperdine too, that's kind of, you know, sort of taken the, you know, grabbed the torch from him. But um, people like that, again, it kind of goes back to people, but people like Scott um, who took the time and genuinely was one of those just angels on earth um, who was smart and funny as heck and, great stories and he's everybody's friend the moment he walks in the room and um happened to have obviously like um was a huge kind of pillar you know in the religious community as well too but just a regular dude you know not stuffy or anything like that so i think any of my interactions with him um were probably at the top of the list um and what i you know part of what made my pepperdine experience so unexpectedly kind of special so Nice, very wholesome story to end this off. <laughs> <laughs> I know that wasn't very scary. That wasn't very. We talked about some crazy stuff, but no. yeah, no, no, no. Austin, honestly, this whole podcast is not for like I, it is for the <laughs> listeners, but it's honestly mostly just to get to know you and kind of like get your name out there as who you are and what you do and kind of oh. expand to the Pepperdine community because we have a lot of successful alumni. <laughs> I just want to again, yeah. yeah, just express my gratitude, and I guess if you have any, any lasting thoughts, Austin, that you want to share. No, I think, no, man. I mean, and everything, appreciate all the kind words you said. I mean, I'm just a dude. I, I've got <laughs> so much more to learn and so much more to learn and do. And I'm happy to, to, if anybody wants to talk, you know, talk to me and there's something that maybe useful that came out of it. Um, that's, that's awesome. Um, but no, I mean, I think I appreciate you doing this and reaching out and, um, 
you know, kudos to you for, you know, for trying to stand up something like this. I think um, that's exactly the, the kind of mindset I think everybody needs to have. You, you have an idea that you fall in love with. Again, like I said, there's a million people. And at times I'm like that too, where I can get mired in endless possibilities. At a certain point, you got to pick a door and try some stuff out. And, um, and most of the time, I think you're going to end up succeeding and crushing it. At times you don't, or it's not quite right. You'll tweak it and it'll, it'll be even better. And it'll kind of be great. You know, again, when the timing is, is kind of right, but no, I, w- I would say the only thing I would, I would sort of share is, um, um, I think, you know, again, this isn't me just sort of patting the, the folks that you're pitching this to on the back, but, you know, <laughs> being a, being a, an advertising major or communications major, um, myself, I think that what that department has done, what the division has done, um, and continues to kind of do in, you know, again, little old Malibu, again, I know it's Pepperdine and we have nice, you know, decent resources here and there, but still it's, it's still kind of the size that we are in, in LA, but you know, remote again, nobody's going to shed a tear for us. We're in Malibu. It's beautiful paradise. <laughs> That's very but true. It, but it is kind of geographically, it is geographically challenged, kind of like San Diego, sort of, it's like sort of off, you know, it's there, but it's kind of like, a little bit of a pain to kind it's of like, get it's, there. It's like, it's like doing its own thing pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So I think anything, um, that's the spirit I think of, of the, of that group. And it always has been is to, you know, within communications, exploring different channels, trying different things. Again, the size of the university, um, allowing you guys to, if you have a good idea, being able to try it out and do it, you can't do that every, at every university at every place. And I think that's, that's very true. It's one of with the growth, the great growth that Pepperdine has had and always will have. Um, I think the fact that it's still kind of like in that, you know, that middle area where it still hasn't gotten so big where students, when they get there, they can't get sort of more of a one-on-one connection with professors where they can't get their hands on, you know, um, communications technology and, and sort of let their creativity, you know, experiment with different things like that. I think um, this is as just another example, I think, of, of you know, kind of, I think the real purpose of that, that kind of group and its function. So happy to help. Is there anywhere we can reach you Austin or if you want, like, would it be like LinkedIn or any contact yeah, LinkedIn info? Is, LinkedIn's perfect. I mean, I'm always, I'm always on, on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, everything's, you know, pretty much up to date. So yeah. Um, feel free to, to kind of reach out and connect there if we're not already. Um, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, Instagram stuff I just use for, if you want to see, cheesy pictures of a rookie dad, you know, being an idiot, you know, with his, with his baby and, and trying to act like he knows what he's doing. Feel free to follow me on Instagram too, or Facebook, but yeah, LinkedIn's perfect. Um, All right. Perfect. Uh, for those of you who don't have a LinkedIn, get a LinkedIn. That's the number one, that's the number one move right now yeah. to, for any, any business opportunity. It's a no brainer. And connection. Yeah, I mean, exactly. No brainer. All the other channels get a lot of the, you know, TikTok gets a lot of, you know, it's the shiny object of the moment and Triller and some of the other ones that are out there. But as far as like, yeah, entering the business world and networking and like actually, you know, not just consuming a bunch of garbage and I do it too. LinkedIn is um, by like far and above is the most useful. Best thing you can do. Out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, once again, Austin, I appreciate your time. Very grateful for you as always. And um, hopefully this can end up being something with the Pepperdine graphic. So I appreciate you being the very first guest and I'm honored to have you. So God bless you. Stay safe. You too. Um, Wishing you the best for you, Grayson and your wife. So thanks buddy. Go waves.